0: wrestling geeks.
1: This is Wrestling Geeks Alliance with Chris Andy. Hey, hey, how are you guys doing out there? This is your good pal Dane Alps uh, with another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a show for new listeners in which me and my good friend, Christopher Brother Ray Patton break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news, provide you with reviews of said shows, and just, you know, uh, talk about wrestling. Something that we love. But I could not do the show without me. Uh, Chris, we're going to be talking about AEW Full Gear. Are you excited?
0: I am excited. Uh, this show wore me out, though, man. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I think I'm still recovering. It was so damn exciting. So, yeah, looking forward to talking to
1: you, to you about it. And uh, just to be transparent, we are both – Very tired from working all day. We are doing this show. We're going to be trying some stuff up a little bit differently, uh, provide the reviews maybe a couple days after it happens and whatnot. So we didn't have a show this last weekend uh, due to me and my crazy life. So, you know, instead of giving predictions, it's better just to go over the stuff. And this was definitely a pay-per-view that we can talk about. I mean, start to finish – I don't know which one I liked more just because of the big endings of the last one, but two great shows back-to-back. And this – I don't know. Do you think that match-wise this one edges out, uh, the last one? I would have to say so. I mean I think just complete wrestling-wise this was a better show
0: as far as the complete card. But like you were alluding to, you didn't get the big surprises that you kind of got. From the previous show and also, you know, it was kind of the first time we had seen Daniel Bryan on pay-per-view and CM Punk's first match back. So some of that stuff is it's kind of hard to weigh. I think this was maybe a better pure wrestling pay-per-view as far as like your match cards go, where the last one was more of like, I don't want to call it like a WrestleMania, but more of like a big spectacle type pay-per-view.
1: Yeah, I would agree. And I forgot what WrestleMania it was it's, it's regarded as one of their best. I think I want to say it was 2000, maybe 2001 where like every fucking match just boom, boom, boom. And it kept on getting bigger and bigger. And of course you definitely have those different pay-per-views um, from the past, whether it be a WrestleMania three or I don't know, Halloween havoc 97 where it's this was kind of like, like that in a lot of ways. I did have some, not issues, but there were some low periods. I'll admit that, or they didn't at least uh, retain my attention so much. Uh, But a lot of those fucking matches, great wrestling just from start to finish with them.
0: Yeah, I have to agree agree with you completely. And I think Meltzer said that there was, what, nine matches on this card, and he said at least eight of them were four-star matches. So I don't think we're in the minority of putting over how damn good the actual matches on the pay-per-view were, or the actual card itself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we get into the pay-per-view, let's talk about three of the things that, I mean, we didn't get a chance to talk about and have to do with this pay-per-view directly. Uh, the first thing, probably the least amount, but still, it's got to be said. So on last Wednesday, Dynamite, it was established, and I mean, is uh, of all places to try to get Chaos members from, uh, whatever, I'll get over that. Um, you know, there's Dante Martin, there's there's there, there, there's a plethora of, of great guys uh, get to join. But now we have Yano and Orange Cassidy on the same team, Chris. Uh Ishii is gonna be in a match, I think, teaming with Trent this week. Uh it will be tomorrow night, technically, uh on Dynamite. And uh Chaos is making its presence in AEW. Uh they just asked the best friends who Trent was already a member because of Rapongi. So this would be, uh, you know, uh, his Chuck, Taylor, Willa Yuta, Orange Cassidy, and Chris Statlander. Um, The reason why it's a big deal, and not because we can see Orange Cassidy and Yano potentially together in a tag team, that would just be fucking ridiculous. Uh, Who is the leader of that group, Chris? That would be the Rainmaker himself, Mr. Kazuchika
0: Okada, who they have been referencing quite a lot. I was a little surprised. I I wasn't too surprised about the tie-in with Chaos, because I do think that the plan would be, now that there's only a three-day quarantine to fly in and out of Japan, I thought there might be some talent trading happening, with AEW potentially sending some people over there. Um, But I did not expect the name Okada to be floating around so much, especially, you know, with what we saw at the pay-per-view to spoiler alerts for, well, if you're listening to this, you're going to get spoilers anyways, but with Kenny for potentially going to to take some time off and recover uh, from that torn labrum and and dropping the title to Adam Page, I thought, you know, your number the the big match you think of would be, you know, Okada and Omega again, but with uh, the American Dragon, Daniel Bryan, and a lot of the other talent they have there now there's a lot of great potential matchups obviously but that i mean that is the big takeaway right and and chaos is kind of a goofy group outside of okada anyways um and with you know rocky romero it's
1: like it's like him goto and ishii these three like stone-faced motherfuckers and then it's like yano and (laughs) <laughs> I love I love Rocky Romero. Great match with, with Daniel Bryan. Also kind of a goofball. Uh, so it, it makes sense that Orange Cassidy and all of them. I'm just saying, did, who the did, did Goto or the Gato uh, somehow like lure up Okada in and be like, dude, you should grab the best friends. Do it. I wonder if part
0: of that is just wanting Trent Beretta to come back over there because he's you know he's worked in Japan before. Same with Rocky Romero. So kind of. If you're going to people, yeah, come back as a tag, because they do need some tag teams um, in New Japan right now, because outside of the Gorillas of Destiny, that, you know, it's not really a flourishing tag team division. So maybe that's that's kind of why they leaned towards this, but, you know, honestly, I don't give a shit who they put together <laughs> in chaos if I get to see Okada. That's... <laughs> that's
1: that's the biggest deal. This, this could be a way to get him more involved. It's just weird, like you said, that they... I mean, they were were pretty far distance from each other between the pay-per-views. But Okada was in the States, and uh, after his match against uh, Buddy Murphy, uh, which is apparently really good, I still haven't got a chance to watch the pay-per-view, and there were some other big things that happened throughout that. Um, I believe Will Ospreay went against Amazing Red, so I'm sure that's a fucking great uh, match, but Ospreay came out, challenged Okada. Okada's rocking the old belt. Will is rocking the new belt, but the one that uh, he had when he was champion. So we got, I I guess, three IWGP <laughs> world champions. Um, but either way, I like what they're doing over there. Uh, and I, I really feel like if people, if Okada's coming over here for this and Suzuki and now Ishii's going to be on it and everyone else that they fucking had, you know, it seems like Tony's talked about frustrations with NWA and working with them before in the past and footing bills and, And it looks like Impact's now just by itself. I would definitely spend this time to keep things open with AAA and New Japan, get more of a relationship with, more so than any of the other uh, organizations. American.
0: Yeah, and I think this is a good thing for both New Japan and AEW to some extent, especially, like I said, the travel ban and the amount of time you have to quarantine in Japan. Has just relaxed a little bit. Uh, like I said, it's it's like three days quarantine now as opposed to what it was previously. So I, I'm sure, like I said, that that helps out a lot. And uh, I heard really good things about that um, New Japan Strong show. I haven't had a chance to check it out yet, but from all the reviews I've heard, it was a it sounded like it was a pretty damn good card.
1: Yeah, I can't I imagine
0: trying to watch both of those. Like <laughs> <laughs> Meltzer and Alvarez started the AEW pay-per-view then went to that live show and then came back and watched the fucking pay-per-view and then reviewed it. And I'm like, you guys are insane. I would, I would have died.
1: It's like, yeah, that's wrestling. (laughs) That's a bit crazy. A little bit too much for me. I can't find it. Maybe I'll be able to find it later on, but I heard really good things about it. Like I said, this first just part, you know, I just want to acknowledge the fact that Okada might be coming over here because now that we got, let's go over our second topic. Uh, a person joining is all elite. Uh, comes out, cuts a promo. Chris, we all know this gentleman. I might have uh, been saying first and foremost, Ring of Honor unfortunately is going under. If you can get this guy, let's do it. And uh, he, we we all knew that the contracts, at least as far as you know, I could tell, lasted. Uh, until the end of this year they could work independent dates as long as they don't sign another contract well apparently he asked for his release completely and uh, in the press conference he talked about it and ring of honor gave it to him and he will not be at final battle which is kind of depressing a bit i'm wondering who's going to be there because apparently the sales of the tickets are not doing that well either so you know instead of like one last hurrah I, i feel like this is going to be like a small version of the last Monday Nitro or some shit. So that's kind of depressing. Uh, either way, Jay Lethal, the black machismo, came out in his, what is, what is techno-sounding, macho man music uh, with the pomp and Circumstance, looking awesome, and challenged Mr. Sammy Guevara. They'll be having their match this Wednesday for the TNT title. And I'm going to say, if you really want to, I know that this is going to piss some people off, But I think that he'd be able to get through it. No problem. If you really want to put Jay Lethal more on the map immediately, give him some big momentum. Have him beat Sammy with this short of a run. They don't really do things like that. I think they can get away with it. And I think that Jay Lethal could rock that championship for a while. And that could really help, uh, you know, put him to a certain level uh, coming right in. So that's my prediction. But um, I know that you're excited about this, man.
0: Yeah, I'm actually, I was completely surprised, a little blindsided by it. Um, I honestly thought that he was at least going to stick around the final battle, or at least that part of it. Not that AEW would have interest and sign him, but for him to be able to get a complete release before that final pay-per-view, that was, that was a big surprise. As far as what they could do with him, um, I mean, with the amount of former Ring of Honor talent they have there, there's a lot of built-in storylines they can pull off of without doing that much work. But yeah, it would be great to see him work with some of the younger cats, like a, like you said, a Sammy Guevara, uh, if you wanted to do something like that right off the bat. Or depending on what you're going to be doing with Daniel Bryan leading up to this title match, which I'm assuming is going to happen in January, uh, maybe you could do some back-and-forth wins there. Or There's just a ton of shit you could do. Uh, all of it good. I love Jay Lethal, so I'm excited for this. It's also one more spot on that roster. One more guy, you got to figure out something to do with. That's been my kind of worry about some of these recent releases and, and the amounts of signing. But Jay Lethal is someone that I think, you know, without a doubt, you, any company should have been re- reaching out to him. Whether it's Impact, WWE, New Japan, AEW, seems like he wanted to go to AEW. So good for him, man! I'm excited to see him on the roster.
1: Yeah, um, I was going to ask you, did you hear? Uh... I don't know if they were direct words from Tony, but Cody gave his reasoning of why Tony is is hiring so many people. I don't know if it's a good reasoning. I'm just telling you what Cody said about Tony.
0: No, I didn't. I didn't catch this.
1: What did he he have to say? He said he loves the – Tony loves the aspect of the the dream match and being able to have bigger superstars. You also can build a roster and apply them – towards where they need to be based on some of the other bigger stars. And that's why he has the YouTube shows. And I guess Koyu making it sound like he's got enough money to be able to pay fucking people. So, I mean, that's the reason why we don't see a lot of, uh, and I I don't necessarily dislike Joey, but like Joey Janela's they're always on fucking YouTube. A lot of those people stay there and uh, we're, we're seeing room for other stars on the main product basically. But he wants those, he wants those, uh, those dream matches, Chris. So there's going to be holograms involved soon, and uh, we're going to finally find out who would win between Macho Man Randy Savage and Black Machismo. So that that, that was the big deal. That, that's what's going on. <laughs> holograms. Uh, Jay Lethal's pretty damn good, but I don't know
0: how well he could pull off a match against a hologram. <laughs> that's that's a tough one. Uh, yeah, I, I get what he, I get what that's basically saying, but at the same time, they're in a little bit of a situation now where it's like you have a lot of potential dream matches with the current roster you already have. So how do you tell those stories continuously and put them on TV? Because these bigger signings like AJ Lethal, I mean, he's not going to be, I would assume that he's not going to be spending a lot of time on the YouTube show. And then no. thinking about who you're going to be, pull- if you're thinking about bringing in, let's say, Okada, that's just one less spot, right? Then you still have your Bray Wyatt's of the world out there. Keith Lee, who just got released, Karrion Cross, like all of these different cats. I mean, there's a lot of potential signings there, but that roster is pretty damn thick. I mean, we just watched some great matches on this pay-per-view, but the pay-per-view itself is like It's like five hours long. (laughs) Oh, no,
1: I agree with you for sure. I just think, I mean, it's, it's keeping people within like, you know, if you're a tag team, you need to stay in the tag team division. You know, if you're, that's why it's good in a way that Adam Cole is not in the mix besides these three ways or what I potentially is going to be. I think him and red dragon versus the bucks and whoever the fuck, um, you know, if, if you can if you can figure out where to put them and get rid of some people that just don't need to be fucking on the damn program, I'm sorry. I'll just say it right here, okay? I love Matt Hardy. The whole entire fucking clan can chill on goddamn YouTube. I don't give a shit. I'm sorry. I just, like, got to the point where I don't care, and most of the people get private party the fuck out of all of that and let the butcher the blade. I like the butcher. I'll give you that. But I like Matt Hardy, but it's just completely pointless. And there's a lot of guys that they could clip off. The Dark Order, keep them on fucking YouTube. I'm sorry. If, if we're talking about they're going to get paid, still great. They can be a part of that product. Make appearances here or there to make room for people like Keith Lee and fucking Jay Lethal and a lot of these other guys. Yeah, I'll take the stars over those other dudes. I'm sorry. And I
0: think for the most part, you know, when you- – I'm with you on the Matt Hardy group. I could, you know, go without them the same way I could go without the Nightmare family. But, I mean, they use those as kind of buffers on the... Yes! Right? I mean, it's just... That's definitely their opening card <laughs> for most of these. or the, You know, kind of just something to bring some levity to the show. And I feel like you still need that for, like, a, a regular TV show. It can't be all dream matches all
1: the time. No, i think about it like you know when when we watched raw back in the day there was your al snows there was your godfather wasn't a comedy character but definitely brought that type of levity you know that was important to have on the product and then on nitro where they had glacier who wasn't supposed to be like that but shit happens um or disco disco's a better choice (laughs) fuck you glenn uh, was
0: it like a six-time U.S. champion or something though? <laughs>
1: yeah, seriously, that's a good point. Um, uh, what, what was I gonna say to you? Did you uh, did you hear Chris? Uh, why? Basically, it was confirmed right before the pay per view that there was not going to be a Bray Wyatt. Uh, Dave Metzler uh said that from what he heard, Tony and him had talked. They knew each other beforehand. They met at a party in for AEW at some point in the past. So I'm assuming the Brody stuff, like. So they talked a lot and there was interest in him coming both to impact and that, but he's doing uh, horror movies and uh, one of them, I forgot what the name of it is, but it's going to be to uh, call uh, whatchamacallit uh, published by fucking Warner brothers. So it looks like he's going to get a chance to, what the hell did he say was a mix of two random ass movies that don't make any sense. And apparently it's a horror film. So uh, he's going to be tied up in that. I think they're already in post-production for this film. And that's going to keep Bray Wyatt out of being a wrestler. But this was something of a passion project for him. And we've talked, you know, say whatever you want about Bray Wyatt. He's good friends of Tom Sabini. He probably knows people in the industry. Horror film. Uh, if you wants to take a break to go and try that, it's kind of like Rob Zombie. It's like fucking go for it, dude.
0: Yeah, I mean, so he's got a couple of films. Like, what is he? Is he actually directing it or producing it or
1: I don't know exactly those. I think he might be producing it and also wrote it, but he could be directing it. I don't know. Um, but this is one film. I don't know if he has multiple in the picture, but the fact that you know Warner Brothers is distributing it gives it a little bit more credibility, I would say.
0: Oh, yeah, like I, I get that. I was just trying to get a gauge of what his involvement is going to be after post-production. Because, I mean, while he's yeah. not showing up in the very near future, the next pay-per-view is in january right so it's a lot of time there for (laughs) that movie to go in post-production and then get released so i didn't know if he had anything else in the pipeline um but good for him man that's cool if that's what he wants to do like you said he's friends with tom savini if if he's working with with that level of people and obviously he has an interest in horror films he's talked about it on multiple podcasts so i'll Look forward to seeing whatever he puts out. I'll give it a watch. I mean, hell, it can be worse than some of those WWE horror films.
1: Oh, Jesus. Sino you know Evil? Sino <laughs> uh, Evil
0: is like one of the least atrocious of the <laughs> releases they had. I need to go back amazing. and uh, see that New Day Undertaker thing. Did that ever come out? That Pick Your Own Adventure?
1: It was. Film? Yeah, I played it for a little while, and I was like, oh, God. It reminded me of this computer game for One Night in Horrorland where you can make different uh, things uh, for Goosebumps and, like, pick different options and shit. But, I mean, The Undertaker was in it, and so was The New Day, so that's something. It was like (laughs) Scooby-Doo.
0: Oh, man, I forgot that uh, they're doing the G4 TV launch on YouTube right now. I had that on a little earlier. And, uh, man, it's really weird to see austin creed on g4 with adam was it Ses- adam sesler <laughs> that's like odd but congratulations to him that's a real cool gig i'm surprised that wwe is letting him do that but i guess they have a lot tied up into uh, up up down down on youtube so it makes sense i guess
1: yeah definitely well i'm excited regardless to get it back to where we were uh i'm excited to see Jay lethal join um, AEW, and I think he's going to make some amazing matches. I can't wait to see him be his badass version of himself. If he wants to do a heel persona, go fucking for it. And if he wants to do the Macho Man stuff, obviously that's just a cherry on the fucking, you know, cake, on the ice cream, wherever the fuck you want to put the cherry. But he's, uh, he's awesome. He's a great wrestler. He's only 35, and he's a vet. Been around the industry for a very long time. So to see him finally get, uh, probably some of the biggest audiences he's ever even experienced even more so than TNA where he, when he was there, uh, it's going to be great. And I think he's definitely someone that you could see eventually getting the title too. So uh, him and him, and, for some reason it's him and Brian Danielson, just, I want to see that. I want to see that pretty fucking badly. Him and Pentagon as well, for some reason, but there's gonna yeah, be a lot of fun would, matches.
0: This would be, Both of those are great matches. I really want to see him and Punk because I think the only time I ever saw that matchup was in TNA when Punk was there for his short stint. I don't know that they even worked each. I could be wrong, but I don't remember them working each other in Ring of Honor. So it'd be kind of cool to see that match too. Um, That's one that's on my list. And and for anyone out there listening, we're not saying AEW shouldn't sign these people. like, Like we've talked about in the past, the worry is just eventually you do run out of spots. I feel like their roster is kind of maxed out as it is. Um, But that being said, Tony put together one hell of a pay-per-view. So (laughs) I'm guessing he's going to have to continue to give this man a benefit of a doubt until uh, until proven wrong.
1: Yeah, I I definitely agree with you. And uh, I don't know. I'm I'm definitely excited to see where this goes um, with him and Sammy Guevara. But uh, let's let's move on to the last thing. This is the uh, unfortunate situation that happened uh, with full gear. This this is just, I mean, I would say bound to happen. Chris is just injuries. Uh, expect Kenny to be gone for a minute. Uh, besides, which you know we talked about his torn labrum, the 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 shoulder uh, stuff, uh, and then also he's been dealing with very bad vertigo for since he says 2018 it's it's increased and as someone that's been having dizzy spells as of lately off and on i can tell you that it's miserable so you know he kind of talked about this in an interview and just said that he basically had to master the ring going through vertigo sometimes while he was in the middle of it so kudos to him for being able to be a performer and and handle that because that's got to be terrible but um you know, Kenny is a badass, and uh, he's going to be out for a minute. And then we had two injuries, actually, on the show itself. Um, first of all, uh, Eddie Kingston. Uh, Eddie just, though, posted, Chris, I don't know if you saw this. I mean, it's not really he, – he posted that the two injuries themselves. He said, shoulders are fine. We'll be at – Uh, New Wrestling won on the 20th, and I will miss no time at work. So that's at least what Kingston's saying. That's good because we all were worried about that. It could be a major shoulder injury. Uh, And then obviously uh, Malachi Black, basically him and Eddie didn't show up at a convention the next day, and that kind of signified something was going on. But Malachi should make a full recovery as well. Um, It looks like everything's good, but, you know, Scary shit, and I hope that however long Kenny needs, he takes it off. I really hope I don't see him on their Wednesday. Maybe they gotta finish off some feuding. Not sure. Maybe he's about to get his ass kicked by the Young Bucks. I have no idea. But uh he needs a rest, I would say.
0: Yeah, I mean did you hear these inter- like uh some of the stuff that I guess wrestling observer's been talking about where Kenny was basically saying that there's days where he can't lift the weight bar which is like 40 pounds jesus Um, and that he's just been wrestling basically some days are worse than other days and he said basically he doesn't need his shoulders to have a good match which i thought was fucking crazy but then you go and you watch this match and you're like huh you know i mean outside of the one (laughs) angel I guess he really doesn't need his shoulders to have a good match. It's just crazy that this man has been working as hard as he has doing the injury that he's had. I mean, he's had one hell of a year. It's going to be hard for me not to put him at number 1 when we do our year in just because of everything that he's accomplished. I mean, it's either going to be him or him or Roman right now for me, but you know, Kenny's kind of edging him out a little bit just because of the sure amount of great matches he's had this year. And not just yep. in one place, all over the fucking map.
1: <laughs> and you know, remember, it sucks they lost the AEW title. It w- it sucked when he lost the Impact title, but he's still a world champion and the biggest Mexican promotion with AAA. So he'll be there in about, I would say, six months to be able to be at the next show. But still, he is your world champion. Um, he's gonna team with uh the fucking with FTR. That's their <laughs> champions right now. Isn't that ridiculous? Kenny Omega, who's got a Brock Lesnar schedule there, and fucking uh, FTR. Conan knows what will, he's doing, though.
0: I think they're finally going to pull the title off Kenny so he can maybe go get the shoulder. Well, we thought this a long time ago because he has went so such long periods of time without defending the title. It just seemed like he was going to drop it, but he hasn't. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's 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 a weird one. Whatever. But the, those titles, I don't know. The titles don't really mean that much in AAA, or they it doesn't seem like they care about them being on every show the way that we kind of do
1: in America. Yeah, because they can do hair versus hair matches and all that jazz. I would just put it on. I mean, you got you got Daga, you got Psycho Clown. Just have one of those guys beat him, or Pentagon, or Phoenix. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah, and you can you could do Pentagon and Phoenix on a fucking pay per view and make a big deal out of it. Well, it seems uh, crazy
0: because it's like almost a year ago we were talking about how they should drop it to Psycho Clown or El Dorado Kid, right? And yeah, <laughs> they haven't, they're not, they haven't been in any rush. So who knows? Maybe Kenny will. Go get surgery, rehab, Co- return, and still hold Conan's like,
1: go go do whatever the fuck you want. Come back over here. I'm going to have Andrade go against you again with Ric Flair. Actually, Ric Flair is going to go against you, Kenny, in Mexico. Yeah. Fucking put the title on him. Yeah, Conan understands how to get audiences to like whatever the fuck he's doing. So, um, yeah. Anyways, very experienced yeah. Booker.
0: Yeah, so for the other injuries, I'm glad to hear that most of them seem minor based on what the recap you just gave. The one that worried me was Eddie Kingston, just because there was no other updates on it until I guess to to, either today or yesterday.
1: I'm still worried, man, because I don't know. It's like Kingston's crazy. And from everything I gathered, it seemed like it was a really legit bad injury. So I hope this crazy ass doesn't go and like try to wrestle a pay-per-view with a fucked up arm. Oh, you
0: mean like, kenny omega's been doing for the past
1: yeah
0: <laughs> year and a half um there was one crazy injury on that new japan pro show i don't know if you saw that but chris dickinson um blew out he, he like broke his leg at the hip oh um, doing a frog splash apparently and had to go to like the hospital he's going to be out for multiple months for new japan tapings and having to basically have his hip replaced is from from what i gathered from reading the
1: injury jesus christ
0: yeah and it was just off of frog splash um i will say this the entire weekend had lots of throwbacks to eddie guerrero apparently on both shows um because it was the with the weekend of his passing
1: yeah i think it had been 20 years i don't remember
0: yeah it's been a while that's kind of why they coincide it with Minneapolis, which is where he passed away. Or that's that's one of the reasons I heard that AEW wanted to do the pay-per-view there on this particular weekend. And uh, yeah,
1: it was nice seeing a lot of that, a lot of tributes, almost every match, something. Um, but yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. it was uh, it was nice seeing it. I mean, I guess I, I was gonna say it would have been. You could have just done a video package or something with Vicky Guerrero talking about him instead of everyone doing his moves. But nice little tribute. I mean, people do Eddie Guerrero shit all the time in WWE, so he's always getting <laughs> he's always getting tributes, you know. But, uh, yep. yeah, rest in peace, Eddie. But that was just kind of crazy. The Chris Dickinson injury, uh, I mean, not that you can compare injuries, but that was definitely the worst I heard coming out of that weekend.
1: God, I don't want to check out the footage, but man, I feel bad for him. That really fucking sucks. Um,
0: well, that, well, that's what's crazy is he went for the frog splash and uh, after he hit it, he just didn't move. He kind of just laid there. So then they had to like go to the finish. So it's not anything that looks gruesome that you can actually see. I mean, it just looks like a normal frog splash. I guess he just came down kind of the wrong way or came down kind of knees first.
1: So just like a freak accident just popped shit it right out.
0: Yeah, that's what it that's what it looks like and sounds like yeah. to me based on the injury.
1: Uh either way, man, that 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 sucks. Um but you know what didn't suck? This pay-per-view. So let's get into it. Um I got to break down both just the, the the main notes from Wikipedia and also a breakdown of the individual matches. From bleacher Report, my favorite people to use now because all the other ones fucking suck. <sighs> Anyways, so I didn't watch the opening match. Um, I didn't even know there was a match during that time period. I got there directly to watch later on and then went back to the beginning of the pay-per-view. So I apologize. But Chris, did you watch the match with Jamie Hayter and Nyla Rose going against Thunder Rosa? And Hikaru knowing who was involved, it probably was a fun match. I will, I will give it that.
0: I did not. Um, this was on the buy-in, so by the I, by the time I watched the pay-per-view, because I kind of started it a little late, I didn't rewind back to watch the pre-match because you have to like on. I don't know what you used to watch it, but I was using uh, BR
1: yeah. for it, and they which it the- sucks, by the way. You guys have good breakdowns, but man, your fucking shit is bullshit. Why the hell we got home a little bit late, Chris? We couldn't go back to the damn beginning of it. We had to wait for the replay for that came out. It was like old school pay per view, or wait the next day until like two o'clock. I'm so mad.
0: Yeah, that's kind of what happened to me. So like I had to finish it and then watch the the two the the first two matches because I missed the first two matches in the pre match, but I didn't go back and watch the buy-in, because they split that up from the normal pay-per-view. Which is weird. Because, you know, when they... I don't know if... Because I didn't go back and watch the full replay, so maybe they package that stuff together. But I know that they always have, like, two separate options. When you buy the pay-per-view on there, (laughs) there's, like, here's the free buy-in, and then you actually have to go to the pay-per-view separately um, once the buy-in ends, which is kind of weird. I think I'm going to go back to watching it on Uverse as opposed to... Trying to use the the web for that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do. If you find a website called, you know, never mind. But anyways, you, whatever platform you can find it on, you know, all I'm saying is, Tony, I know you listen to our show. Buy the fucking Ring of Honor library. That's definitely on sale, even though they're saying now all of a sudden that's not on sale. Bullshit. Call that. Uh, buy it. Combine with all the shit that you have, you now own all in, you own packages to all your old all your current wrestlers of their young years, and just distribute it as a fucking monthly thing. Join all the goddamn organizations. Even Impact does it for Christ's sakes, and put your pay per views on that shit. Please, God.
0: I don't know if it would be possible, but knowing that he owns a an actual U- European soccer or football team. And the Jacksonville Jaguars, I feel like you could package together a bunch of stuff, right?
1: Probably.
0: And and, and do some sort of streaming deal if they wanted to do that. But uh, yeah. I, outside of just the little annoyances about BR, I didn't run into any other big quality issues with the the, the stream itself. But no, I didn't get to see the pre show. That's well, that was the uh, long ass. Well, wait you know <laughs> who won to get there. Uh, no, I didn't even look at the results.
1: Hikaru Shida, and Thunder Rosa, and I'm sure they did a great job. I love both those ladies. And uh, now that we're getting into reality, after actually a pretty damn good show, or a good match with uh, Britt Baker and uh, Ty Conti, Ty Conti really, to me, did better than I thought she would in the match. Can we just get back to fucking Thunder Rosa uh, eventually? I'm assuming that someone's going to fuck someone over, maybe, for the TBS title and cause her that shit, whether it be a Jamie hater or something, and then goes back to her and Britt. I just don't think she's going to win the TBS title. So I, I want Thunder Rosa versus fucking uh, Britt Baker, Chris. That's all I'm saying.
0: That seems to be where they're going. I'm kind of thinking that uh, Ruby Riot's going to be the one who's or Ruby. it's going to be challenging for that. Uh, once they start building the feuds for that TV title, the women's TV title, I'm assuming that that might end up around her waist. I don't know that they're going to take that thing off Brit for a while though. Even, even if she is going into a feud with Thunder Rosa, which is seems like that's where they're going.
1: Yes, sir. All right. So let's get to our first match. MJF. Going against Darby Allen, 22-minute match. I mean, all three of the matches, pretty much close to 22 minutes, or 20 minutes, I should say, uh, and just boom, boom, boom. So this this pay-per-view started off hot. This is a lot of people's favorite match. This is definitely in my top three. Um, I just don't know which one I like the most because I love the last match, I love the first match, and I love that uh, even though it was one of the shorter matches, the Punk uh, Eddie Kingston match. So, uh, but I mean, all fucking Brian Danielson and fucking Miro was great. Lucha Brothers versus FTR. Uh, we'll just go over this shit. Uh, so let's uh, let's let's pick up some of the notes. Thanks to Bleacher Report for the match itself. Um. All right, all right. MJF tees a lockup. But just brushed Allen across the side of the head. They locked up for real, and MJF hit a few side headlock takeovers. Remember, he said that he could beat him with a headlock takeover. Uh, Allen shoved him out of frustration and then squared off again. They traded holds and takedowns in a show of technical skills, really cool bridges and whatnot. Um, They went move for move until coming to a stalemate. MJF nailed him with a hard right uh, hand and took control after refusing to make a clean break in the corner. Allen drilled him with a suicide dive. That was awesome, by the way. So MJF, camera's on him. He tosses fucking Darby Allen back in the ring, Chris. And he's looking at some guy in the audience, and he goes, shut up, fat boy. And right when he says that, you just see Darby Allen's body just completely annihilate him. Like, who has the best spears or suicide dives, I should say, uh, better than Darby Allen. I mean, I know Ray Phoenix, but his are so fucking crazy sometimes he ends up in the third row taking out a grandmother. Like, Darby seems like they're going to kill the opponent he's going against, you know? And he's he's not a big dude!
0: Yeah, I mean, that's one thing that's like, that's one difference that that's massive between Jungle Boy and Darby Allen for me is the speed in which Darby Allen hits all his shit. That's why that suicide dive looks so good. That guy runs the ropes so hard. And it just makes it believable when he hits that suicide dive. To me, it probably is one of the best, if not the best, in wrestling.
1: Yeah, no, I would agree. And not only that, I've seen them a lot lately because they're extremely popular. And certain people do them really good and certain people do them like shit. Darby Allen, for his size, has some of the best forearms in the business. If you watch him do the forearms, they look like they fucking nailed a person, and I think it's cause he's a little stiff skis, but still, I mean, he's just ferocious. He comes off like he's trying to take out the other person, so definitely had to mention that.
0: yeah, I agree hundred percent man. He makes that shit look real that's the that's the end goal.
1: yeah, exactly. um all right, so he he does suicide sc- uh, suicide dive. he throws him into the steps mjf avoids. A coffin drop on the apron and just Allen crashes and burns. MJF hits a spinning backbreaker for a close two count. MJF started to look confident as he put Allen in the corner for a superplex. The risk taker uh, countered and hit a unique stunner to bring them both back to the mat. He put MJF in a position... But he rolled away before Allen could uh, hit his finisher. Allen refused to stay down after every punch and told MJF to give him more. He gra- grabbed Allen in a scorpion deathlock, uh, but he was able to counter the hold. Allen uh, started to work on his knee uh, before applying the figure four. I want to also mention that throughout this, it was something that he did. Like uh, like MJF tweaked his own knee doing something, and from there. Just sprouted that like little information in your head and sold so well throughout the whole entire match that it did seem like it was bothering him. He's really good at that. Just had to say something. Um so yeah, so MJF delivered a tombstone pile driver on the apron. Jesus. And both guys collapsed to the floor. So not enough time to be able to get in the ring and do something about it. Both men were visibly injured as they got back into the ring. They grabbed each other and rolled around. Uh, with an inside cradle for a few seconds. Not my favorite part in the match. Actually, probably my least favorite. I just thought it it started looking a little ridiculous, even though I understood that it was a legitimate uh, thing that you do. Um, After several two counts, Allen hit a code red for another close call. Uh, After MJF rolled out of the ring, Allen hit a coffin drop. That was fucking gnarly. MJF blocked a second attempt but hurt his own knees at the same time. Sting prevented Wardlow and Spears to get involved, and then MJF, because of distraction, gave Allen his skateboard and dared him to take a shot uh, to get disqualified, kind of, I guess you could say, Eddie-ish. While the ref got rid of it, MJF hit Allen with the diamond ring to steal the win with a pin. Uh, Awesome match. These guys are going to have feuds, I think, going forward. This is your flair, Sting. That's why they were doing those finishers. I mean... And it, they're going to make it their own thing, but there's definitely that kind of thrown in there at the at the base work. And I liked uh, – MJF kind of needed the win. I'm fine with uh, with Darby taking the loss. Um, I'm just wondering if they're going to continue this uh, immediately afterwards since MJF uh, screwed over Darby. Uh, Chris, highlights of the match. What do you think about it?
0: I thought it was an incredible match. I don't want to – I almost want to say it was my favorite match because it's the one that surprised me the most. I liked it more than I thought I was going to. Um, they had great chemistry in the ring together, which is not, you know, both both guys are just great wrestlers. It's just kind of a weird mashup with Darby mm. being such a, uh, this kind of Jeff Hardy-esque baby face with Reckless Abandon versus a, I mean, let's just say it, a very old school heel in MJF. I didn't know how that was going to work, but they made it work, and I absolutely loved this match. I liked the finish, kind of the misdirection to the ref with the skateboard, and then pulling out the the ring. I liked that Darby did attempt to actually wrestle MJF because MJF, you know, was talking shit about beating him with a side headlock, etc. Um, yeah, I don't. It's so hard to judge if this was my favorite or not. It was. It was definitely the match that surprised me the most. As far as how much I liked it, and uh, my uh, niece update, they cried. Darby lost, they cried, they fucking hated. Oh, <laughs>
1: that sucks.
0: They they hate MJF more than they hate CM Punk. Pretty much anyone that beats uh, <laughs> Darby Allen, they hate those. So oh,
1: that's just unfortunate to hear. I hope your nieces got over it, and I hope that they're better. Just tell them. Darby will get MJF. Um, Kind of a question with this next match, based on the ending, very similar to the other match. Is this going to be the end of FTR and the Lucha Brothers? Because uh, great tag match. Ending really fucking wonky and weird. We'll get to it. Uh, Didn't pull me out of the match completely, but I mean, I guess I know what they were going for. Dax is hurt, so he can't really do anything, so put the mask on him and then he loses anyways. I don't know. It's, it's It was kind of fucking silly. It kind of ruined a really good match. It might, I'll go over the details, but I thought the match was awesome between the two teams. And then that fucking finish, I thought was kind of weak. I
0: think I kind of got the idea of what they were trying to do. I mean, by putting the masks on, they were trying to trick the referee into who was the legal or not legal man, right? That's what they were going for.
1: Yeah, I think they were trying to say that Dax was kind of hurt, so he couldn't get a chance to tag for some reason. I don't remember because I'm not watching the match, but he couldn't get Cash in, so he rolled out to the floor, and then I guess Cash found the masks and put one of them on to trick the ref, and then so if he gets pinned, no matter what, they can use that as a reason to try to go for the titles again or at least complain about it. Yeah, but and, and that why t- would the masks being that were so convenient, you know?
0: Yeah, that was one thing. I mean, they could have just pulled them out of their tights or something. That would have maybe made a little bit more sense. But um, to me, this sets up a, a, a rematch. FTR is gonna, you know, bitch about getting screwed over
1: because they're heels. Yeah, and that that would be uh, <laughs> that would even though they're in their frog costumes, that would be the rubber match because they won the titles against them. Then they you know, obviously didn't lose the titles, maybe put all the titles on the line.
0: Yeah, that's 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 where I was going to go with it, is that you now you have this unique situation where, you know, because they're going against Ray Phoenix and Pentagon, you can't just flip those titles either way, right? Because they're both involved with AAA and AEW, so that works out well, I think.
1: Hmm, I like that. Um, But, yeah, so so the match itself, let's go over. As soon as the bell rang, all four started brawling. It came down to Harwood and Penta in the ring for a standoff. They started uh, trading shots until Harwood started trying different pins. Phoenix and Wheeler tagged in and had their own exchange of quick moves and encounters. Harwood saved his partner from a double kick to the head. They were able to take out both Lucha Brothers when attempting different dives out to the ring. Uh, Phoenix hit some quick kick to Harwood before tagging Penta to hit a pair of sling blades. FTR was stacked in the corner so the Lucha Brothers could hit an assisted cannonball. The champ put FTR in a double submission until the ref broke it up. Wheeler tied Penta's mask to the bottom rope so Harwood could stomp on him. By the way, I think this is the third time I've seen that happen to Pentagon. Hey, Pentagon, just cut the fucking ropes. Or the, the, the straps coming out at the end of your mask. I don't know. Um, the champ put FTR in a double submission. Oh, I already said that. Sorry. Once Phoenix came in, he went on a rampage with high flying moves and strikes. Wheeler used one of the title belts as a weapon, but Phoenix still kicked out. I thought that was done. Uh, Harwood tried to hit the three amigos, but Penta countered uh, the third and hit a trio of suplexes himself. Phoenix showed up with a frog splash for a close two count. I think personally, I don't know how you feel about this, Chris, that really should have, someone should have pulled it. Like it's, since it is the death of Eddie Guerrero, it's, it's the anniversary of it. Everyone's giving little tributes. I I feel like if you're not going to beat him with that, which is fine, have someone like totally pull him out of the ring or some shit like that to, or, or just, you know, break the fucking thing. Uh, instead of, you know, kicking out of it. I don't know. After several two counts for both teams, the Lucha Brothers pinned the wrong man because of wearing a mask uh, to trick the ref. Uh, Like I said, I liked the match a lot. I liked a lot of these spots. I thought Tully was really good in it. Um, And, uh, you know, the ending kind of threw me off, but it's just a way for them, I guess, to keep on going with the feud and have a rubber match, uh, possibly for all the titles.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I, I liked the match. Was it crazy about the finish? It was still a really, really good match. Um, I don't know that this was as good as the Young Bucks match they had at the last pay-per-view, but it was a very, very good match. Um, like you said, I think I think this is going to be a rubber match, probably title versus title. That would make a lot of sense. And uh, for the Eddie Guerrero finish, I mean, we see so many frog splashes that don't get a pin. I guess I'm kind of numb to it, but I agree with you. If you're trying to do it in tribute to Eddie, it'd be nice if someone just, I don't know, fucking one with the move. Yeah. (laughs) Like just hit a frog splash in just one. Or like you said, at least make it like a breakup or something weird where someone gets involved. Um, But I'm also a little numb to it because if like Kevin, Kevin Owens can't finish someone with a frog splash. I don't necessarily know that the Lucha Brothers are going to be able to, <laughs> Yeah. You know, so it's it's just we we see that move so much. I mean, how how many people were doing it in WWE as of late? There's at least three or four I can think of.
1: All right, Montez Ford, Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens. Um, there has to someone else. Sa- Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks. Big Eddie yeah. fan. I feel like there's one more
0: but yeah, either way you get what I'm saying. People (laughs) we see the damn frog splash all the time.
1: Well, not only that, that, I mean, it's gotten to the point where a lot of people do the three amigos, Angel Garza. I've seen him do it. I've seen Andrade do it a million times. I've seen Pentagon do it. You know, it's a, it it is a cool concept though. You know, actually Penta looked like he was having issues doing his, I'm not going to lie. Penta like, you had them perfectly done by Dax Harwood doing, like, the, the, the spin of the legs, and then it gets to you, and you're like, but the third one, man, he was, like, trying just to get himself to the fucking top, but I get it. I think it would have been hilarious if instead of Dax doing
0: the Three Amigos, he did, like, the uh, triple German suplex spot.
1: Just to change it up a bit. Yeah, man, that, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, because he's a fucking heel, you know? <laughs> He's the one that doesn't give you the Eddie Guerrero tribute. <laughs>
1: oh, Jesus. All right. um, Yeah, but good match, man. Once again, second match. First match, great. Second match, pretty damn good. Let's go to the third match. Oh, what is it? Brian Danielson versus Miro. The winner of this faces who's going to win between Kenny Omega and Adam Page later on that night. And this started off with Danielson trying to do a handshake with Miro and Miro telling him to fuck off. They locked up and Miro easily shoved Danielson to the mat. The American dragon hit some strikes to take control. Miro sent him out of the ring with one shot to the body. Danielson came back and went at Miro even harder, but the redeemer threw him off and knocked him down with one shoulder tackle. They went outside where Miro dropped Danielson with a belly to belly suplex he rammed the American Dragon into the barricade and the steps. Big man kept the upper hand for a long time by grounding Danielson while hitting punches and kicks of the body. Danielson shoved him to the ring post and hit a flying knee from the apron. That was awesome. Uh, he looked he locked Miro in the knee bar when they got back into the ring, but Miro was able to break the hold and lift Danielson up with a German suplex. The American Dragon hit numerous knee strikes to the head and body before the stomp Miro's uh, head on the mat. The redeemer scooped him up for a powerbomb out of nowhere and got a two count. He locked Danielson into a deep camel clutch, but he reached the, I thought this was over right at this point. Uh, he reached the ropes and forced the break. Danielson put him into the bell lock, put the powerhouse, but the powerhouse escaped and delivered a few elbows to the face Danielson grabbed him in a triangle until Miro gouged his eyes. Uh, Danielson ended up hitting a huge DDT, the the huge weakness of Miro, and lock uh, the guillotine for the win against Miro. Once again, Daniel, Brian, Brian, Danielson, whatever, um, wins with a different submission. So he's still doing his whole shooter angle. Uh, I really like this match. I thought that Miro was a monster in it. Um, I'm wondering where this is going to send Miro, what direction, um, or if he's going to try to like murder (laughs) Danielson from this match. Uh, I don't know. I think that that God's going to be in his corner because God's going to be scared that he pissed off Miro. So expect him to be the, uh, the, the new um, manager. Chris, what'd you think about this match?
0: I love this match. I thought it was great. It's, it's crazy to me that WWE had both these guys for such a long time and, I can't remember a single match of theirs, but apparently they've wrestled like seven times and Daniel Bryan has never won in the WWE (laughs) against Miro, which they kind of talked about building up to this match. and, And it's just insane. I think that we got a better match with Miro and Bryan than we probably would have with Mox and Bryan. And maybe that's just a personal opinion, but, um, I think we got lucky, kind of got a really good match. I still want to see that match as well. But I think they did a good job with who they replaced Moxley with. I think it actually made a lot of sense. And this is Miro's first loss, right? In singles?
1: No, he lost to Sammy Guevara for the TNT title. So this would be his second one.
0: His his second loss, that's right. Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. So, I, I mean, he still would be considered in the top, I would think, for number oh, yeah. contendership, right?
1: Interesting. Maybe we can have a triple threat built up for the next uh, pay per view, I guess. Have Adam uh, go over whoever has to beat, and that you know they can do some stuff, basically. Um, it'll be interesting. There also, Chris, the uh, first, I mean, shit this is actually coming up sooner than we, we even think because this is January we're talking about. Not only are you going to have the move and they're going to have probably a big show on TBS to start that off. So we could probably have something big happen there for many of the titles um, or sh- people showing up, but then they're having their first TNT mini pay-per-view like their Clash of champions. I think it's battle of the champion or something like that is what they're calling it. I, f- I forgot. It's something very similar. Um, so, who knows if they're going to put anything big on that? That's before the pay per view. I think the pay per view is in February, right? Late February. I'm just saying they have a couple oh. big dates coming up for big matches, championship matches, people showing up before the next pay per view.
0: Yeah. Um, did you? Did they ever say how long those shows are going to be on TNT when they start? Three hours,
1: I believe. Okay. That's a lot.
0: <laughs> but if it's treated like a pay-per-view with a good card, maybe I can get through it.
1: Maybe it's two. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know.
0: But uh, yeah, either, either way. Uh, um, hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff they got going. I don't, I don't know. I thought that for some reason I thought the pay-per-view was at the end of January because they didn't want to run up against Mania, but or not Mania, whatever the hell comes right before Mania. Yeah. But
1: I'm um sure. Backlash? No, that's not it. I don't remember.
0: <laughs> that was it Great Balls of Fire?
1: <laughs> great balls of fire. That's not it. <laughs> They're bringing uh, it back. Samsonite. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Alright, next match. Kind of uh I liked this match. There was a lot fucking going on. I mean every fucking where. But I think this could have been better if you ask me. And yes, that would mean that Christian might not be on this pay-per-view unless you can find somewhere else for him. But it, I would have liked you had that first match with Cole, Cole beats uh, jungle boy, jungle B boy then gets a, a win over Cole. And then you have just a grudge match between the two of them. But, uh, we had the super click. We had to have the fucking young bucks on it too. So, you know, I get, I get why they did this. You have all your big names on there. um, Fun match with, yeah, the M bucks and Adam Cole, baby, the super click going against Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, uh, Jurassic Express with Christian Cage. Uh, Small notes about this. this six man Falls Count Anywhere match kicked off with six men going at it right away. Christian grabbed Adam Cole while Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus each went after one of the bucks. Luchasaurus took out both bucks with a dive over the top rope while Captain Charisma went after Cole. Uh, since this match has a lot of moving parts, it's 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 very hard to describe. So, um, there was a part where fucking Christian dove off New Jack style, out in the fucking audience from the top of the fuck. Like, all right, I, I love that. You know, we're happy for all of our favorite wrestlers that have come back from career-ending injuries, whether it be concussion-related or neck-related or both in Dane O'Brien's case. But Christian concussions. What does he want to do in this match? Oh, uh, I want to dive onto uh, Adam Cole. What was it? Adam Cole, Michael Nakazawa, and fucking like it wasn't even like the A team for the most part, besides Cole and Cole Small. They jumped off the motherfucking top balcony part to the uh, the the exit uh, of the uh, stands. What the hell, man? Is Christian crazy, Chris?
0: Certifi- certifiably <laughs>
1: at
0: this point seems like he does something crazy in each match he's had back but I will say this they caught him like you would catch a vase or something falling off a table <laughs> like they caught him like he was the most fragile thing in the entire world so good good on them um we've seen so many people like get dropped on stuff like that it, it is always scary especially when you're talking about you know Christian Cage who's had these injuries in the past it was definitely a cool spot in the match though. With all of these damn three-way matches, it does kind of make you wonder if they're ever going to do, like, a trios championship or
1: something. I feel like that's right around the fucking corner. But if they introduce something else anytime soon, it'll be that. Um, anyways, uh, so we have Cole busted open. A few people go through tables and several other big spots with the ladder. And the stage before Jungle Boy pin Matt Jackson with the concerto for the win. Story going into this on Rampage, uh, Christian offered, uh, you know, Jungle Boy to finish off. I forgot who it was. It might have been Nick Jackson at that point. And he wouldn't do it, so Christian did it. And then on this, Christian was about to give the concerto to Matt Jackson, and Jungle Boy insisted and did it himself. He went a little dark and grew facial hair. But uh, fun match. It was just hard to keep up with everything. I mean, when you have a falls count anywhere with three on three, people are going to the goddamn audience. It was it 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 got a little nutty, man. And I was tired from those first three matches. Chris.
0: Yeah, I thought this was a really good match. Like you said, it was kind of all over the place. If I if I had one complaint about it, is that they had two of kind of the same match on the show. Because you also get the Jericho versus American Top Team. And while it's not called Falls Count Anywhere or whatever the hell, like Minneapolis Street Fight, essentially it was a hardcore match. So we, we basically got two hardcore matches. Uh, that, that would be kind of one of my nitpicking complaints. But uh, I like the dark Jungle Boy. I think that adds a little bit to his character. And maybe he'll actually start going by Jack Perry. Just be Jungle Jack Perry. As Jr. has been trying to get him to do because he needs something to kind of freshen up that character, um, you know, shedding, shedding Marco Stunt and Luchasaurus would be the next thing, the next progression. But um, yeah, the only other thing I would say is the concerto. If you have both people in the ring, just do the old school concerto with both chairs. Like Christian and Edge used to do. That's that's another nitpick. But this is a fun match. It would like you said, it was it was kind of all over the place, but uh, good stuff from all the guys involved.
1: Yeah, and I'm also gonna give a little praise to Luchasaurus. Um, I thought he was awesome in the match. Um, you know, I think I think some of the biggest things like that kind of. I would say his criticism with him is his punches, and then sometimes doing a little bit too much aerial stuff and getting caught up and shit. But he's really toned it down lately. I feel like he's talked about how Kane's one of his favorite wrestlers. I feel like he kind of he does he he does the uh, the raise up, you know, he's catching people into a choke slam. He just seems like he's trying to be more domineering. He'll throw out that athletic stuff in his kicks. But he's keeping it a little more conservative as compared to just being a dominant monster. So I don't know if that was a lot of interaction with Big Show or what, but um, keep up the good work, man. Because when you can combine those aspects and bring that shit out, it's even much more impactful. And I would love to see Luchasaurus. I know a lot of people don't want to hear this as a badass villain, uh, like, a, like a monster, like someone corrupts him. I think I think I've said that.
0: I think that would be awesome, too, because right now he's a plant eating dinosaur. Maybe if they like he switches it and he's a carnivore, <laughs> just starts fucking biting people and acting like a crazy man. Uh, I think that fits a guy of that size a little better than being the happy friend to uh, Marco's stunt in the jungle boy. But, you know, I, I, like you said, I think he's looked a lot better, especially the last I want to say the last four or five months. So he's, he's definitely changed some of his shit up. It, I, I do know he works a lot better when he is in the ring with people like the Young Bucks, obviously. So I don't know if he just has a harder time when he's against lesser talent. Like when he was having matches with Jack Evans and, and Helico, those were not great.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Not at all. But good stuff right here. Um... <clears throat> All right, so we had Cody Rhodes, AEW's most loved son, <laughs> MPAC, Puck, whatever you want to call him, going against Malachi Black, the former Alistair Black, and Andrade El Idolo, the former Andrade Cianomos, um, in a tag match. <sighs> I still want to know, Chris, this is separate from this, but like while they had that beatdown going on, and you had the Lucha Brothers running for for to save Pac. Why the fuck was Cody running through the goddamn audience? And uh, did that really help him get there into the ring five minutes afterwards when everyone was already cleared out?
0: Um, I don't have an answer for you on that one. <coughs> that is it's just a bit ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> god damn it <laughs>
0: this this crowd we got a lot more Cody booing again um, it, you gotta have the heel turned at this point at least I think so
1: yeah I, I would definitely think so I think that it would be I don't know you could make it so inside baseball which he already fucking likes to do but like as a heel and just saying fuck you to the fans basically, and he's always been a good heel. I don't understand it. It would be he would be if he instead of do, and he's kind of hinted at this, Chris. Instead of doing the tiger driver, uh, same thing, the the fairy tale ending, whatever you want to call it. If he were to lock it and then actually smile at the audience and do a fucking pedigree, which he has said he thought about doing and then he said no. Like, he's not going to do Triple H's fucking finisher. I'm just saying, like, if he does something dastardly and keeps on going, beats the shit out of Arn Anderson, God, he could become such a great heel. But we're going to try to do John Cena fucking Cody, and Cody does not have John Cena's gravitas at all.
0: Yeah, and he's also in a weird spot because I don't know that they want him, the network wants him as a heel with his, all those other fucking TV shows.
1: Uh. All right, well, let's go into this match. I got some stuff. Andrade and Malakai were out first uh, for their tag match against Cody and Puck. Uh, as he made his way out, Rhodes gave his belt to a fan at ringside. The the, the fan then grabbed it and threw it at Cody's head. Uh, no, that didn't happen. I just added that in there. Ha ha. See if you guys are paying attention out there. All right, Pac and El Idolo started for their team, but Rhodes tagged himself in before they could make contact. Pac uh, did the same thing a moment later to Cody. Andrade took advantage of their argument, but Pac fired uh, back right away. Uh, El Idolo and Black worked together much better than their opponents and kept Pac uh, isolated for a short time. Rhodes tagged in and got in uh, some offense. Uh, El Idolo uh, almost messed up a spot on the apron, but recovered and kept it moving. Black and El Idolo started to have some communication issues as they tried to keep Pac away from the partner. Uh, Rhodes came in and almost hit Black with his finisher. Black drilled Rhodes with a black mask when he wasn't the legal man. Pac sent both opponents out of the ring and hit a beautiful moonsault, as always. Arne Anderson beat up uh, Jose to get him away from the ring, and he, he wouldn't uh, interfere more and just chased him up the ramp into the back. El Idolo dropped Pac across a barricade before Black tagged in and took over. So now we have both teams being really pissy and doing blind tags on each other. Uh, Rhodes was uh, unavailable for a tag when Pac needed it because of the ringside doctor was checking on him. El Idolo took advantage with a DDT on the apron for a two-count on Pac, The American Nightmare was booed as he got back to the apron. He tagged in and took out both opponents. He locked Elitalo in a figure four. Puck triggered uh, himself in, or or tagged himself in and hit the 450 to Elitalo for a near fall. Puck hit a black arrow for the pin on Elitalo. And yeah, I mean, I I think I kind of like I I called that, but still, it's it's strange that Cody gets the win over Malachi. I mean, I understand Malachi beat him twice back to back, destroyed him the second time. Cody came, beat him. Uh, now we have Cody as one out of three, and I guess you could count this as another one. Maybe they're going to extend this more. I just would love to get Malachi the fuck away from Cody, Chris, to be honest with you. Match was fine. Yeah, I,
0: I agree with you on that. I don't, necessarily understand Cody getting a win here but I mean it was more for Pac right I mean they're trying to push him as a baby face again I guess that, that, that's the other problem with this match is everyone in the match is actually heels
1: <laughs> so
0: <laughs> if we're being honest um, and the crowd was a little I don't want to say dead for this match because they did get into it but it kind of took a while but uh, everything in the ring was good it's just it felt rushed even for them setting this into a tag match to begin with. I think that maybe hurt the match for me is just the, the build wasn't there. Like it was with some of the other stuff on this card.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree with you. All right. We had Dr. Britt Baker, D M D with rebel and Jamie hater going against Ty Conti. Um, I think yeah. If I'm not wrong, Anna Jay got taken out by the other wrestlers, uh, just beaten down by Rebel and Jamie Hader, uh before this. So it was just tied by herself. Um, it's a pretty good match, man. Like I said, Tyconi, uh definitely, uh, I liked her in this match. Uh, so we had Fozzie's uh, guitarist playing uh, Britt Baker's theme music. That was That was neat. Anyways, uh, so Baker started quickly and rolled up just to get uh, Conti's attention. Conti avoided the lockjaw, and Baker avoided the DDT. They shoved each other a bit before locking up again. The BJJ uh, practitioner threw the champ around uh, with some wrist locks and hit a boot to the face before putting Baker uh, in an armbar over the top rope. DMD pulled her back up and hit a suplex after Hayter hit the rope uh, and to trip Conti up. They traded strikes, and Baker choked her challenger on the bottom rope. Conti stomped on Baker's hand to make it harder to apply the lockjaw. That was pretty smart. She hit a few clotheslines and a pair of running boots to the face. Conti hit a release German suplex for a two-count. The champs blocked a suplex and hit the stomp for the near fall. Rebel gave her the glove for the lockjaw, but Conti hit a cutter out of nowhere in another two count. Baker uh, spiked her with a pile driver on the apron, but when she went for her submission, Conti grabbed the rope. She grabbed DMD uh, for the Tay the ta- KO. I can't stand the ta- name of that. To get another close two count, Conti avoided the lockjaw again, and it seemed a little out of it as she climbed up the ropes. She took out Rebel and Hater with a moonsault from the top to the floor and dropped Baker with a swinging slam. After a bit of a struggle, Baker was able to uh, score the win by rolling uh, County into a pin. One, two, three, DMD. Yeah! Pretty good match. I liked it.
0: Yeah, I like this match a lot, a lot more than I thought I was going to, and I think this was easily... Ty Conti's best match that I've seen.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, Her and strikes I, are good, man.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think she's, she's grown on me quite a bit after watching this match. And I do like that the story that they told does set up a rematch. Because Britt Baker wasn't able to actually put on the lockjaw. You had a lot of fuckery throughout the match. So it sets up a rematch if they want to go that way i don't know that they will or if they do it'll be something for tv i would think but yeah fun stuff I, I it was it was better than to me it was better than the match right before it which was that tag match but that's it's personal preference i guess
1: that tag match dragged like a motherfucker there I would say the ones that dragged the most were all the multiple man matches um, that kind of just brought me down a bit um, energy wise, even if I liked uh, a majority of the actual, you know, match itself. But God, they were exhausting.
0: Yeah, me and you seem to. Well, I guess maybe it's because we've watched so many New Japan shows. (laughs) But anytime that there's these big multi man matches, it does seem like it. It drags, but hey, you got to get everyone on the card some way. Um, and like you said, none of the matches were bad or anything. Like, I don't think there wasn't a single bad match on this entire show. There's ones that I liked more than other matches, but everything on the show itself was good.
1: Yeah, even my least favorite, I don't think is a bad match. It just was it was fine. Um But one of my favorites, actually, I would say, is Eddie Kingston versus CM Punk. They built, and don't get me wrong, they were able to really tell a great story and get it more um, surfaced, I would say, for the first time in a while between what they've built up between Kenny and Adam for the last couple of years, and it paid off great. But they were able to make people as interested, if not more interested, in the match between Eddie Kingston and CM Punk in the last couple weeks, just by these two guys building up some history that's there and just going with it and cutting great promos. And the match was short. Uh, It was one of the shorter matches, if not the shortest match on the pay-per-view let's see 11 minutes, but it was intense. It was a fight and uh, I was a big fan of it. Like I said, I'm happy that Eddie uh, it didn't actually, you know, He might have messed up his shoulder, but he's fine from what he says. And um, a little bit of me wanted this to be a scenario, you know, with – and I've made this comparison many times recently with Eddie being the the guy that shouldn't have made it, that, you know, tried to and clawed and fucking is in his – he's almost 40, but he's such a badass and he's been in the industry for such a long time. I kind of wanted this to be Halloween Havoc 97, I think was the first out of the three matches with DDP and Macho Man, where Macho Man said, "Putting over Dallas. And I thought Punk might be doing that, but I think more so this could be the situation more with Bret Hart and Steve Austin at the beginning where Austin lost. But inevitably later on, you had the two kind of, I want to see CM Punk go heel because he definitely got booed and he's definitely an egomaniac in character and probably in real life. And I want Eddie Kingston to become more definitive babyface from stuff that happened within this. But I love this match. It's kind of hard to make comment on stuff that happened. I mean, Eddie beat the living hell out of fucking CM Punk for a majority of the mask. And uh, finally, uh, CM Punk kind of out of nowhere. Uh, got the go to sleep and nailed him. And one, two, three, try to see if he can get a handshake. Eddie told him to fuck off. So, you know, the uh, the person that made the Austin kind of comparison was uh, Jim Cornette, who loves Eddie Kingston. He goes, obviously, I'm not trying to, you know, there's no way you can compare as like a fucking uh, box office or anything like that. I'm just saying going in that standpoint of that direction of the person. And they are just real. That's who they fucking are. They're that aggressive dude. Like all it takes is a little bit to get him to another level. And that realism, it's almost like a New Yorker style, but that aggressive nature is very similar. And punks obviously playing the role of the Bret Hart, if you will, in this scenario. So I loved it, man. I thought this was great. It wasn't anything long. It probably wasn't the greatest match of all time, but it told a damn good story, and I want to see these guys uh, tell some more stories in the future.
0: Yeah, I love this match. And I think, you know, after, as we've been going through this, this is probably my favorite match on the show. Um, Second being the the opener, but this was one hell of a match. They beat the absolute shit out of each other. My favorite part is when CM Punk finally does hit the go to sleep and the crowd kind of boos. And he just cuts this grin. He's like, really? <laughs> like he was a little surprised by it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to love when they eventually pull the trigger on heel Punk, which I think if he's going to continue to go against Eddie Kingston, that would be the route to go. And uh, it wouldn't be bad for this company to have another top heel, especially with Kenny Omega kind of going out and the rest of that group being more of a group. And then outside of that, really, the only other top heel I could think of is MJF, right? So um, it it would be good to try to transition Punk that way.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I think that he's an unbelievable heel, and he would be able to add a lot to stuff going forward, you know, uh, make it more fun. But anyways, let's go over this Minneapolis street fight. The Inner Circle versus American Top Team. Um, this is what I was talking about. i got to be honest with you. I love Chris Jericho. I'm going I'm to start off by saying this. I love Chris Jericho. He's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. He's a GOAT. He has reinvented himself a million times. I think the Inner Circle itself is holding back especially Pride and Powerful. And is also holding back Sammy Guevara. I don't give a fuck about Jake Hager. Um, and a lot of the stuff that they've done lately, especially these big group-on-group, weird, random-ass named fucking match, they're just not doing it for me. I think this could have been really cool. Uh, it just seems like there's a lot of standing around. It's by Junior Dos Santos, who's not the biggest wrestling fan coming into this to, be, to begin with. Or like Arlosky. But it just, I don't know. I mean, it was it was cooler, I think, seeing Dan Lambert put Jericho through a fucking table and make him tap out, quote-unquote, uh, by putting him in the uh, Boston Crab created by uh, Rocky Johnson, the real Rocky Johnson, in 1976, if that's what he said. I just, uh, I don't know. Maybe Chris feels completely different, but I'm just kind of over Chris Jericho's group altogether done. Uh,
0: I, I could take it or leave it. It doesn't necessarily offend me. Um, I do think there's better stuff that they can continue to do with Pride and Powerful and Sammy Guevara. But uh, I guess what's next for Jericho? The Lambert story's over. I mean, these guys aren't just going to be sticking around to stick around, I wouldn't think, right?
1: Yeah, I don't know.
0: So Jericho is not really anywhere in title contention. The MJF stuff has ran its course. Maybe, I don't want to say this is going to be the end of the inner circle, but maybe Jericho's focus is going to be shifting to commentary for a while and, and, and into what you're saying where you'll get more from Sammy Guevara and Pride and Powerful, who I'm assuming are who you're referencing kind of wanting to see break out as opposed to being in these group matches.
1: Yeah, they just, I don't know, they they tend to go in the same way I feel a little bit about the uh, Super Click versus Jungle Express and Christian Cage. This one more so than, I, than, than the other one, but they, it just goes on forever, and then it's kind of like hard to figure out what the fuck's going on. And then you notice things that, you know, you have guys that are less experienced, that I respect a lot in a different field. You know, and just them kind of standing around at certain, it just gets a little bit clusterfuck. And do I really give a shit? If like I don't, I I honestly think Dan Lambert does get great heat, but I think that it is go away heat. Like people just are like, you're annoying, shut the fuck up. So him losing and getting pinned, it didn't really just you know uh, rub my jollies. But whatever, if people liked it, I'm happy for you.
0: Yeah, I mean, I thought the payoff was fine, especially the way they've built up Lambert is kind of being a piece of shit for the past month and a half. So, I mean, from that standpoint, it was fine. I mean, the match itself, I was actually surprised based on the interactions we've seen. I thought it was going to be way worse than it actually ended up being. So a credit to everyone <laughs> involved. And it wasn't a bad match. I just, I'm much like you, I think... Because we saw so much of Inner Circle versus whatever the hell MJF's group's called, I can't pinnacle,
1: remember.
0: pinnacle. Because we saw that so much, it just feels like we kind of retreaded it with a different group, and I don't need to see that kind of match on every pay per view. And also, we like I said, we saw this basically the same kind of match earlier in the night, a, a, a better version of it. <laughs> <laughs> so yep. They basically gave us a multi minute hardcore match earlier in the night.
1: Yeah, like I said, it was fine, but I don't know. It kind of, it definitely made me a bit tired, and uh, I definitely was able to get over that once this this match started. We had Kenny Omega, AEW World Title, on the line, going against Adam Page, the Challenger, and. Uh, you know, right before this, we would have that whole entire interaction with Jay Lethal and Sammy Guevara and the challenge for the TNT belt that will be this Wednesday. Looking forward to that match. Uh, you guys already know from what I said earlier what I'd like to see happen from that match. But Paige had this cool entrance uh, with this this horse on this on this video uh, that was very interesting. But you know, Kenny came out to so his normal music, looking just so so incredibly dapper. Uh, kind of had what looked like almost a tribute to uh, Adam Page's uh, like the I don't know if it's leather but like you know the the fucking things that 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 cowboys wear on their legs I don't really remember what the hell those things are called anyways doesn't yeah. matter there you go thank you. thank you Jesus um but uh, after the uh, official introductions the ref called the bell and we got. Started, they fought to get an upper hand, um, but neither man could get a clear land on the other. Chops were thrown, forearms were hit, and the crowd cheered with each strike. They took the fight out of the ring as they kept trying new ways to take each other out. Hayman hit a huge clothesline from the top rope uh, for a one count. Uh, Omega Band uh, began to build some momentum and started to take control. Cleaner set up a springboard, but Changes my the um, momentary delay allowed Page to get a few shots before Omega hit a Hurricane Rana out of nowhere. Hangman drilled him with the boot to the face. A moment later, whenever one man got close to hitting one uh, with his finisher, the other would turn the table. They went back and forth uh, this way for several minutes until Page countered the One Wing Angel. Uh, Omega hit a Tiger Driver 98. For a close call uh, two count, Page removed a camera from the ring post and stood on it to dive onto Omega with the clothesline to put him through a table at ringside that was pretty gnarly. Omega saw the buckshot coming and moved back. Hangman hit a rolling elbow and then a pop-up powerbomb. Omega pulled the ref into the buckshot to avoid the impact. Page hit a dead eye and Aubrey Edwards ran to the ring to make... The uh, close two count. They traded big strikes until Omega hit a few knees to the face. Page blocked the first V trigger, but Omega hit the second. Uh, Hangman turned him inside out with the clothesline, and then the crowd started chanting AW. The Young Bucks um, uh, limped towards the ring as Omega hit a brutal back uh, suplex. Page popped up and hit the same move. Uh, he hit Omega with the one wing angel for a near fall. He nailed Omega with two buck shots as the Bucks nodded their approval. He made the cover and pinned Omega to win the title. Uh, The Dark Order came out to celebrate him, and uh, they surrounded him with a big group hug and lifted him on their shoulders. Bret Hart style from whatever fucking WrestleMania that is at Madison Square Garden. But uh, yeah, man, great win. Really happy for Hangman. I kind of saw this coming. We all did. It just made sense. They built us up for a long time, uh, especially Paige, but also Kenny. From this feud, was able to bring some more realism than I don't think he's ever done promo wise or anything like that. So I, I thought that these guys did a great job. I love the jab about you know where where Paige said to him before this that like. I'm not the only partner that you you felt insecure about after Kenny like basically just berated him about how terrible the person he is, uh, referencing Kota Ibushi. So uh, I I just I thought this match was awesome. It's probably my second favorite. It kind of like fights um, the CM Punk Eddie Kingston match for one and two, and then directly through it would probably be Darby and MJF, then probably Daniel Bryan and Rusev, then probably the tag match. I would say chris what did you think about this match
0: i thought it was great i i mean it's kenny omega and hangman we've kind of seen this before
1: but it was a really really
0: well done match i liked i liked that the bucks really didn't get involved i wonder what that means for Kenny omega like you said kind of just the nod of approval as opposed to getting involved or helping kenny um what that means for that group is Adam Cole taking over. Is Kenny out of this group? What does that mean for him and Don Callis? Whose side is Don on?
1: Wait, wait. So, Chris, is this like a situation where like Shawn Michaels lost to Stone Cold and now Triple H is taking over DX, if you will?
0: That's kind of what it seems like based on mm. the Bucks reaction, right?
1: Yeah. They even they were like, yeah, dude, do what you got to do.
0: Yep. You're beating his ass. That's cool. <laughs> That's basically what it looks like. Um, I love uh, uh, the ref bump not really affecting the match because Audrey, uh, Audrey Edwards came out like almost immediately. I thought that was cool. There's a lot of good stuff in this match, and it was just great seeing Hangman finally get the title because we've been waiting for it for so long. And obviously, I think they would have maybe pulled the trigger on it a little earlier, um, and he went out for paternity leave. So, great way to bring in the new year, man, being a brand new father in the AEW World Heavyweight Champion. And we get to see him versus Brian next, so should be really, really, really fun.
1: Yeah, but, uh, should be awesome. I think
0: our favorite matches kind of, like, almost line up perfectly. I, I have the Punk match first. And Well, and then I, sw- I would switch this match with the Derby match, just because I was just so pleasantly surprised by that. But the rest of it, straight down the row, I think we'd be on the same page.
1: Great pay-per-view. Absolutely. Great pay-per-view. Definitely recommend if you haven't seen and you decide to listen to a whole entire breakdown of every part of it. Um, you know, you do you, boo-boo. Uh, but definitely check out this pay-per-view. It was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, enjoyed watching it. and. Enjoy you guys listening. So thank you guys for listening. Enjoy the review. Enjoy the future episodes. You can find us on pretty much any downloadable platform. Just go to Wrestling Geeks Alliance in the search engine for Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, SoundCloud, anything. You'll find it. Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Check us out every week. And uh, definitely want to say goodbye and thank you to my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. Chris, say goodbye to all the people and plug whatever you got to plug. Oh, I
0: got nothing to plug this week, but if you guys want to talk to me on Twitter, you can get at me at at Chris R. Patton and on Facebook at Christopher.R.Patton. dot So any questions, comments, anything you would want us to specifically talk about, we'd be more than happy to take some questions and uh, hope everyone has a great week. Dane, hope you have a great week, too,
1: bud. Hey, thanks, man. Of course, there's gonna be some more fun wrestling. I mean, we have Dynamite tomorrow night and fuck Jay Lethal versus Sammy Guevara for a title just by itself is gonna be amazing. So thank you guys for listening. You can also find me Dane Alves 42 on Twitter. Message me. Let's have a conversation. And then Dane Alves at Facebook. So hit me up. Let's talk. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Hope you guys have a wonderful day, evening, whatever you are at while you're listening to this. Let the Wrestling Geeks Alliance be with you, and as always, peace out.